1: Tony Richards here, your executive coach and business coach. And I want to welcome you to today's program. And today's program is brought to you by University Subaru. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. I'll be right back on Better Than Before on the C-Suite Radio Network. There's nothing quite
0: like the love of a good dog. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com.
1: be joined by Kaihan Krippendorf. He's committed to helping organizations and individuals thrive in today's era of fast-paced, disruptive technological change. He's known for his ability to turn difficult concepts into easy-to-understand ideas that drive meaningful outcomes and actions. He's an internationally recognized thought leader, battle-tested consultant, and sought-after keynote speaker on the topics of strategy, growth, and transformation. He started his career as a strategy consultant with McKinsey before founding the growth strategy and innovation consulting firm OutThinker. You've been studying growth strategy for a long time now, and what would you say is the most important thing for a head of a company who's involved in strategy or a business owner to keep in mind when setting their growth strategy?
2: Yeah, I think that strategy should be looked at as a conversation, and I know that sounds a little theoretical, but strategy is words, it's debates, it's sometimes written down on a paper. And in a way, strategy doesn't matter because it's just language. But what you choose through your language, if you say, okay, guys, we're going to be headed for this much growth over the next three years, and we're going to get it by doing these three things, that starts changing actions, behaviors, choices, resource allocation, and thereby starts changing things. So I really think that we sort of do a disservice when we often talk about strategy at looking at the things that are done, but not at the language. So I think as a business owner, you really want to be thinking about when you're having strategic conversations, whether that's in the boardroom, maybe it's in the hallway, maybe it's like the 10 minutes before you pick up a phone call with your team to call an important client. How are you managing that conversation? Are you giving people chances to voice opinions, to share ideas, to make choices? Do you create the space to have the conversation? A long, long answer, but I think it's really important to think about the strategic conversations. Yeah. It's more about thinking, right? The whole strategic process. I don't want to say this is necessarily true for everyone, but I'm willing to, nine out of 10 entrepreneurs, business owners, they do their thinking, not In their heads, sitting quietly at a desk, looking at a chessboard. They do it in dialogue. They Mm -hmm. do it with others, right? You're debating. Maybe it's a mentor. Maybe you belong to an entrepreneurial group and you have a forum, but you do your thinking collaboratively in conversation. And when you boil it all down, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong,
1: but when you boil it all down, it turns out to be a fairly simple idea, Right.
2: Mm, Yes. It turns out to be a simple idea. And I think that there's one type of idea. I call it in my last book, the fourth option. And I think that all strategic breakthroughs, all leaps in revenue come from a simple idea that after you've come up with it, it makes sense. But before you come up with it, it is an option that nobody's considered before. And the reason I like this phrase, the fourth option, is it's a metaphor that basically says there's a point at which others stop looking for options. When you hear someone say, oh, I've been in this business for 20 years, what we need to do is A, B, and C, or I've solved this problem before, the key success factors are one, two, three, they are repeating what's been done before, and Where the breakthroughs come are not from doing what's been done before. Maybe that's the best option, but when we stop looking for the fourth option, the option behind the options, then that creates an opportunity for the real disruptive thinker to introduce the fourth option. Michael Dell selling computers directly to consumers or or Sam Walton building stores in rural areas. All these great businesses you can trace down to a few fourth options that were one simple idea.
1: And I don't know how many times I've done a two day retreat around strategy and we spend the whole first day talking and immediately the morning of the second day, somebody comes in and says, you know, I was thinking Mm -hmm. and they come out with one of those fourth
2: options or ideas. Yeah, it's a great point because you don't know when they're going to come. They're not going to come always from the boardrooms. They're going to come from the hallways, from the showers, someone calling someone at 10 o'clock at the night with an idea, you never know where those fourth option ideas are gonna come from.
1: I absolutely loved your last book, Outthink the Competition, and you have a process you call the outthinker process. Can you talk a little about that?
2: Yeah, you can think about if the journey to a fourth option is through a conversation. So you have a conversation, and sometimes that fourth option idea is what you end up with. You land on a very different idea. But so often, the fourth option gets killed off somewhere in the conversation. And so what I did is I, I broke down conversations, studied lots of different strategic conversations, and looked for the patterns of conversation that lead to the fourth option. And I came up with a framework I call ideas. Now, I'm not saying that this is the truth or this is the ultimate framework, but we've applied it hundreds of times. It's very easy to remember and apply. Ideas imagine, dissect, expand, analyze, sell. So, when you're having a strategic conversation with your team, you want to first imagine the future, step out into the future, and set an impossible goal. And then you will have a dissect conversation where you break down your business. You say, Should we be focusing on products now, or people, or processes, or cash, or pricing? What part of the business should we be focusing on? And then you expand and you say, okay, we're going to focus on process. Let's come up with a whole bunch of ideas. We're expanding our option set. That's the ideation. And then you shift into analyze. You take all of those options and you analyze them and choose which ones you're going to pursue. And then that lands you in sell, which is building buy-in support from your employees, from your partners, from your shareholders, from your board. And so if you can make sure that you're not skipping one of those, you have a much better chance of producing fourth options in your strategic conversations. Also in
1: the book, you talk about eight different dimensions that businesses can use to innovate. So can you share those eight?
2: Yeah. And again, I don't claim that any of these frameworks that I'm presenting are the truth, but they're useful. And this is, I have found to be a fairly comprehensive set of areas for you to look at in your business at any given time you want to be looking for breakthroughs in one of these eight areas. So the first is positioning. They sell their eight P's. Positioning is who's my core customer and what's my brand with that core customer? What's my value proposition for that core customer? You have product, which is what are the attributes of my product? Where do I outperform? Where do I underperform? You have pricing, which is on what basis am I going to charge? Am I going to charge per hour or per day or per use or a success rate? Placement is, how do I distribute, what are the channels by which I get my value proposition or product to my core customer? And promotion, which is marketing, sales, what is the funnel, how do customers become aware of me, consider me, try me, become loyal? processes are your internal operations thinking about you know your financial processes your KPI processes all of those what could we do to achieve our goals physical experience is your customer's physical experience, that customer journey. What do they see, smell, hear, taste, touch? And often you can do something really exciting in physical experience that really differentiates you, even if none of the other P's are differentiated. And then the last one, I put it last because, not because it's the least important, because I think increasingly it is the most important, which is people. Thinking about my people, my organization, how do I organize people? What's my incentive structure? What are my cultural values? And who and how do I hire? So you can think these, each of these doors open up to innumerable possible fourth options. And the lesson here for me really is – We often focus on the same ones over and over again. Like our business is not growing and we keep going back to promotion, promotion, try to hire more salespeople, optimize our sales process, improve our marketing. But maybe it's one of the other P's. You know, Maybe the reason that we haven't found the winning move under promotion is because our real problem is in people, our culture, or in the physical experience or under our positioning or selling to the wrong core customer. So those are the eight P's.
1: We have Carolina Caro here to teach us about core-centered leadership. She specializes in mindfulness-based practices rooted in neuroscience, which we talk a lot about here on this program. She enhances awareness so that leaders can uncover their blind spots and consciously develop behaviors that cultivate their leadership potential. She partners with organizations to empower leaders to master their minds so that their minds don't master them. She trained with IPEC, which is the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching, and is a member of the IPEC. ICF, International Coaching Federation, where she maintains her credentials, PCC, and she's also an established speaker who's earned her designation as a professional member of the National Speakers Association.
3: Some of the disengagement that I was seeing with a lot of my corporate clients, everything that was going on, I'm like, okay, there's a connection here, and why I was so attracted to mindfulness and how that was life-changing for me and the meaning that I feel that so many of us search for and so that led to the creation of the 5c model or core centered leadership. So the first piece is the connecting piece and that's really the part where I recognize when we don't when we're not grounded, when we don't have a practice that allows us to get silent, to get centered to get focused, to really open ourselves up to what I like to call our higher self or that voice of intuition that, all-knowing voice, then that's where we get swayed into sort of following everyone else's idea of what success is or, you know, the path that we might follow. And, And I think that's why, you know, I see so much, not only disengagement, but the anxiety that people feel, the disconnection that we feel. There were all these patterns that led me to observe that this was really the first step to what I think being able to then be a good leader if we can't connect to ourselves and to that deeper part of ourselves then I don't think that we can be available for others so that was the first
1: do you find that people do they tend to resist wanting to start with themselves first
3: Yes, absolutely. I think there's been a lot of resistance. I mean, even when I first started, mindfulness was a concept that good luck trying to sell that to corporations, you know, and I think we've come a long way in terms of understanding that it, we talk about disengagement and the fact that it's costing the US billions of dollars and all of these things, all the Gallup studies and what have you, but we're not really looking at the underlining cause. And so I feel like that we've come a long way and now we're starting to look at these things and that's where now there's a bit of a shift and an opening for people to say okay so you know when you're a better leader by looking at yourself introspectively then you're going to be better at how you show up at your job you know my clients are tired of hearing me say how you do anything is how you do everything
1: oh so true
3: Yeah, and so we need, and when I say we, I'm saying also corporations, companies need to invest in their employees in that way for them to also be able to get the most out of their employees. And when I say get the most out, I'm saying being able for their employees to show up with their strengths, their gifts, their engagement to work every day.
1: I have created a model called the galaxy of you, where you're in the center of your galaxy and- My first book was around that framework. And I've just, I've learned and I've experienced in my coaching life, so many people resist starting with themselves. They want to put this person first, or they want to put that person first or whatever. And I constantly say, no, we have to put you first. And the reason is because you can continue to say you have to put all these other people in your life first while you're slowly but surely deteriorating, right?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're trained to look at life that way, in the sense of everything comes externally, right? How we're usually motivated and how our perception of what success is, our ideas about ourselves, everything is so external that going internal, going within is such a foreign concept and not one that we've been trained to do.
1: So the second C is clarity. Tell me a little about that one.
3: Yeah, so that is born out of being able to be grounded and centered and focused. So when we are able to do that, then I think our why, if you will, and that's the part that I talk about, the clarity is understanding our purpose. And I think we're all here to connect with that part of ourselves, but then how we express it is different for all of us. And a lot of the Clues are in some of the talents that we might display. And so the things that some of us resonate with and we're all different and what attracts us. So some of us are artists and business people and whatever the case might be. So I think That clarity comes out of being able to listen and being able to be connected. So that's why it follows the connection piece. And for me, that was where I finally was able to disconnect from, okay, this path that was laid out for me, this idea of going and becoming a doctor and studying medicine and all of that when I was really able to tune in with myself, that's not at all what I feel that I came here to do. And a lot of times ideas are ingrained in us that come from those who want us to have safety and security and, you know, our parents, our teachers, what have you. So when we can listen to that inner voice, we have clarity about our why.
1: You know, another thing that I think is a little bit defective, and parents are just trying to do the best they can, right? Absolutely. But with a, they don't realize, and I don't care what stage you're in or what age you are as a parent, you're still trying to prepare your children for the world you currently know, not the world they're going to live in.
3: That's a great point.
1: Right? Great. So your process is doing a great service to people because they're discovering the world that they're supposed to live in now and their part to play in it, right?
3: Absolutely. That's a great point. And, you know, I never looked at it that way. But as you're saying that, I think about my parents and instilling that need for the career, the education that they did not have. And their circumstances were not the circumstance because of their sacrifice and effort were not the circumstances that I lived through. And I had so many more opportunities and choices and really the privilege of asking myself, these existential questions that they did not because it was just work, work, work for them.
1: So the third step in core centered leadership is probably my favorite, creating a clear vision.
3: Right. So after obviously having that clarity of why we're here, I think that's when we can then develop Being very intentional. So that's what I mean about having the vision. And I think that comes from, again, sort of, it's inspiration that comes to us about how to act. So it's putting that into play so that we can take forward movement on our action. And I talk about intentionality because I think it's such an important word because. Otherwise, we're really living by what I call default, which is sort of all these preconceived ideas that have been ingrained in us from a very young age that are sort of our wiring, if you will, and the programming. And we live out that programming. And that's what I see with so many of my clients. I saw that in myself, that I was just living out sort of by default what I've learned. And when we can start being very intentional and asking ourselves, questions and being able to put a very clear plan in place that comes from this inspiration, then I think we're limitless in terms of our possibilities.
1: So then you go to clearing behavioral patterns that corrode potential.
3: Yeah. So this is probably one of the most important steps in being able to have that success piece that comes from creating the vision. And this is where I start to see what's keeping people in the way of being able to achieve what it is that they want. And this is probably why most of my clients come to me. So a lot of them might be able to do some of the other steps where they're getting clear on what they want. They've put an action plan or a strategic plan or what have you. And then we start finding out that there's underlying blocks that keep us from having what we want. And so there's different ways of looking at those blocks. There's different ways of clearing those blocks. But that's what then allows people to actually have what they've created in the previous step
1: and then the final step is community centric contributions to build collective well-being and promote equity.
3: This is key and this is one that for me I start asking myself these questions of how do I want to be of service? You know, when I left my career, I think that was the one question, what do I want to leave behind? And I think on a actual physiological level, we're programmed to help others. I mean, we get joy out of or so we're connected. And When we do things that are greater than us and for that greater purpose, I think that that just brings that inner joy. And community doesn't have to be global. It could be something very local. It could be your family, your friends. So what community means can be defined very differently for each of us. But when we're doing something that's outside of ourselves and for others, I think that's where the true joy is.
1: Stand by. I will have more for you next on our show. Better than before on the C-suite radio network.
0: There's nothing quite like the love of a good dog. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com.
1: Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm Master Coach Tony Richards, and I've got five big quotes for your week this week. Number one, if I accept you as you are, I make you worse. However, if I treat you as though you are what you're capable of becoming, I help you become that. Johann wolfgang goeth number two the struggle ends when the gratitude begins neil donald walsh number three the primary imagination i hold to be the living power samuel taylor coleridge number four man is asked to make of himself what he is supposed to become to fulfill his destiny paul tillich and number five great quote for the week I myself do nothing. The Holy Spirit accomplishes all through me, William Blake. Well, that's our program today. Better Than Before is sponsored by University Subaru. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. Special thanks, as always, to our producer, Tessa Hall. And until we visit again next week, I'm your host, Tony Richards, reminding you that everything gets better when you get better.